smell something? Put that cookie down! Hello and welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Josh. I'm John Star. We've got a, an exciting episode this week. We're talking about the process of making... We're, we're talking about the podcast about the podcast. So oh, it's oh. a podcast about Mighty Motion Picture Rangers and we're going to be examining... As I was trying the tropes. to, you're trying to be meta. Structural. I'm trying to be meta, trying and the joke has failed miserably. But wow, I guess wow. then acknowledging as a joke is a meta joke in and of itself. Maybe ah. you're saved. In, saved. in stand up, if you ever have a joke fail, if you reference the fact that you failed at a joke, it always brings it back. Does it? Yeah, it's really fucking annoying. But <laughs> does and people it? think they've done a good job, and it's like, no, you just the only reason they laughed is because you said yourself was bad. Self-deprecation humour. Uh, uh, we're talking about mm. meta moments in cinema, oh, which yeah. I thought would be an interesting meta topic in to general. take. I could, and I was inspired because when we did the parody episode and then we watched Top Secret, I was like inspired because of the meta joke in Top Secret. And then I went off and did the... Uh, I was like, oh, okay, that'll be a good topic, a fun, interesting topic that kind of branches across comedy and drama in a yeah. unique kind of way. But as always, we start by asking, what have you been watching? And Chasta, what have you been watching? I've I've been watching a bit, actually. Uh, so on the topic of meta, we spoke about it uh, last time, but we I didn't actually get to watch it until the day after we recorded. It's Isn't It Romantic, the new Rebel Wilson uh, comedy that Netflix is currently movie, on Netflix that, yeah. oddly enough, was just straight released to Netflix despite everything on Facebook because Facebook's so American saying, in theatres now. So it was like... um. What was that other movie? Not the Cloverfield Paradox. The the other Netflix movie that got like they dumped uh, uh, Annihilation. Yeah, they, maybe they, it's just women. They they pulled out of an international release, but they the deals were already in place, so they had to release it in the in domestically, and then it got Netflix everywhere else. Now I'm pretty sure I said it last time. I don't get why they did that. Seeming it's got an Australian cast, we would buy that shit. We don't buy anything. Yeah, that's fair enough. We don't buy good stuff. Ah, we've turned down Chris Hemsworth movies. Come on, <laughs> um, but yeah, Hat. no. I'm talking uh, about Black Hat. Obviously. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, isn't it romantic? Um, I kind of realized straight away that it reminded me a lot of The Final Girls, uh, but obviously a romantic version, not a horror version. I oh. look it up. Same director. Exact same director of that movie. So I guess that guy's kind of got like a niche thing that he does. Um, Very I, I, topical to this discussion as well. Yeah, ex- well, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really liked it, but I think it's just like I like that meta style of comedy. And this is the best I think I've seen Rebel Wilson. I Really? Did, yes. Because she produced it as well. And I felt like she... W- I really didn't like her in Pitch, Black, uh, Pitch, Pitch Perfect. Okay. Number I, one. Yeah, I didn't like her in that because every time it cuts to Rebel Wilson, it's very clearly Rebel Wilson improvising and other people being uncomfortable. That was her whole shtick in that movie, and it was really obvious. There was no point in this time if they did improvise anything. It didn't feel improvised. It felt like part of the story. It felt organic, whereas Pitch Perfect, it never did, and I didn't like it. Um, yeah, so it, it, it was good. I didn't dislike it. Um your mum and your sister watched it, was it? Without me. Yeah. We planned to watch it together and then... Uh, oh, well, yeah, uh, no. Uh, it was... I was saying on the podcast, oh, I can't wait to watch it. And Chanel specifically watched it without me while I was at that podcast. So she <laughs> she, she, she loved it. So she watched it a second time. Um, I probably won't watch it a second time anytime soon. But yeah, no, I, I liked it enough. Um, then I watched The Faculty... Hey, I literally have had that on the top of my DVD pile for like a couple of weeks because I own it and I was like, I really want to watch it. Dude, I watched it, it, it like 
like eight months ago. I'm glad we're all in this kind of yeah. this this feel for this sort of for movie. the movie. Um, yeah. It was really good. I didn't realize it was Robert Rodriguez. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I I really loved it, but. I really like body snatcher scenarios. It's my favorite sort. It, it's the one that scares me the most, but it's my favorite Same. sort of horror. I hated that Goosebumps book about stay out of the basement because of the body snatcher stuff with the plants. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Faculty is really good. Really fun. Um, it's Josh also Hartnett. kind of meta. Uh, is it Josh Hartnett? Josh yeah, Hartnett. it is Josh yeah, Hartnett. Yeah. yeah. Um, who fucks the teacher? I haven't seen I haven't seen it. Oh, well, the teacher's played by... Spoilers. Golden Eye Lady. Uh, Tally Berry? Nat- Natalia. What? what, what? Oh, no, she's Die Another Day. Yeah. She's the worst one, not the best one <laughs> of Pierce Brosnan's uh, tenor. Um, yeah, no, she, she plays uh, Xenia on a top in <laughs> thingy. So the entire time. And it's great because in the faculty, she's like really timid and stuff. But I, like as soon as I show her, I'm like, those two fucking... Or they will be fucking by the end. <laughs> by the end, they were. And then Robert Patrick's being creepy. Yeah, 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 but he always is. I know, but like extra creepy. Extra creepy because he's an alien. Um, then I watched The Mummy. The 2007. Tom Cruise one? Oh, sorry, yeah, it's on Netflix. Two, Tom, yeah. Tom, yeah, Cruise. Yeah. Tom Cruise is The Mummy. And so I love you how guys- it's not Roberto or Robert Orsi's <laughs> The Mummy. It's or Alex Kurtzman. Is it Orsi or Kurtzman? It's Kurtzman. Kurtzman. Definitely Kurtzman. Kurtzman. Um, have either of you seen it? I've only nah. seen the trailer without... without ah! Okay. So I will say it's not a terrible movie, but <laughs> it doesn't mean it's good. I was laughing the entire time just because they were so sure this was going to work. And I do not see why they were sure this was going to work. We got work. a dark universe out of this. <laughs> like so fucking confident. Is that like so crazy confident? confident. And the... Oh. I feel like they completely misunderstand what make the universal monsters interesting. I feel like all of the universal monsters are uh, in some way tragic villains. They're all tragic villains. Yep. You know, they're all in love. Imhotep was in love. Uh, Dracula was in love. Frankenstein was Frankenstein like Frankenstein was a mistakes. Like yeah, literally Frank- a child. Uh, and in this mummy, the um, guess what the evil woman's motivation is? What? She wants to rule the world! And that's it. Did she want to do that when she was alive as well? Yeah, yeah, she, she wanted to do it, and that that's feeling? why she died. Yeah. They were like, oh, mm-hmm. can't keep her alive, better kill her. And then she's Women like, well, now I'm back. <laughs> I want to rule the world again. It was like, there is no reason for me to care about anything here. When uh, Tom Cruise starts like, uh, because he's been cursed by her and he's the next vessel for this demon thing. And he's like, Ooh, I'm going to, uh, we got, we got to stop torturing this clearly evil woman. Who's trying to destroy the world. Better stop it now. And I'm like, you're only doing that because you're black, uh, because you're brainwashed. The story is telling us, no, she evil. Every information you've gotten is no, she evil. So when you say, oh, maybe we shouldn't be so mean to her, obviously not. She evil, you dickhead. Uh, in the end, spoiler alert, Tom Cruise becomes the mummy. He does is he? the mummy. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, that's right. Because so she takes her rise. soul no, takes no, over him? No, no, because she uh, is she's in league with some fucking Egyptian demon thing, uh, the demon of uh, D- D- Underworld, but not... Anubis, everyone knows, um, and she needs a she. Uh, so he, she's part of that, and then she needs to curse someone and and kill them with this uh, knife, 
and the, that that brings the demon into that body. They stopped her four thousand years ago, and now she's cursed Tom Cruise, and that's who she's going to do it to. Uh, and at the end, uh, girly McGirlface is dead, and Tom Cruise is like, "Fine," grabs the girl, the the evil woman's hand, stabs himself with the dagger, so he becomes a demon, and then the power of love. Uh, overrules him and he's like, "Oh, you know what? No, I want to. I want to huh. save this girl." He huh. saves the girl by screaming. The at girl, her. as in the main mummy girl. No, no, no. Sorry, other girl, girly McGirlface. Oh, the, the blonde, blonde, the blonde, blonde one, um, supermodel. Also, Tom Cruise is just so terribly miscast in this. It should be like a Chris Pratt type, a, 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 an Indiana Jones type. He he's out there. He's meant to be a, a, a soldier, but he's he's looting the place and he's going on the black market. He's a, he's a rascal. He's ooh. And they got Tom Cruise to play that. And at no point do a, I believe that Tom Cruise is a soldier. B, do I believe any of his motivation? Uh, C fucking, I like Tom Cruise. I'll be, I don't like him as a person, but when Tom Cruise does a thing on film, I generally like it. And I just didn't like a single thing about his character here. Also half of it was the plot of American werewolf in London. His friend, (laughs) Uh, gets killed by the mummy at the start, and then he's just always a ghost that's there. He's Isn't like, that Jake nah, Johnson's character? Yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. um, oh, he's a Peter, ghost? Peter B. B- B- uh, Parks- Parker. Yeah, uh, he's a ghost. So he's hanging out, and he's he's all like fucked up, just like in American Werewolf in London. <laughs> anyway, what else have you been watching? And I watched Captain Marvel. Uh, did you like Captain Marvel? Yeah, I, I, did. I saw it, Captain Marvel as well. Did yeah, you, did Josh, you watch you it, Josh? It? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Um, I okay, so maybe it's because I watched the faculty, and like I say, I love body snatcher scenarios, and uh, I love the scroll, and I've been waiting for the scroll to come back. I've been waiting for like eight for, years for the scroll. Oh, to be I on love film. the scroll, um, and I come knew it was going to be. Uh, what were they in before? To Marvel, because fantastic, because they were originally a Fantastic Four villain. Oh, yeah. Fox had the rights to the scroll, which is why. And this would do they show is- up in Fan Four Stick? No, they don't. No, but, but they had the rights to them. So uh, my, my main thing is that, spoiler alert for Captain Marvel, by the way, at no point did I think the Skrull were evil. I instantly went, oh, he just made a joke. They're great. They're good guys. Yeah, they were too mm. humorous and character-y because Marvel never do that with no, villains. Except for maybe Tom Hiddleston. So instantly Tom I was like- Tom Hiddleston is not a villain villain. Uh, yeah. So uh, with, with the Skrull in comics these days, you pretty much got a 50-50 chance that Skrull are going to be evil or Skrull are going to be There's going to be like a bad sect yeah. of them. Like mainly the Kree yeah. are actually more assholes in the MCU as well. Well, yeah, they've already set up the Kree as villains in MCU. Mm. And then, oh, look, the Kree are the main good guys in this. And I was like, okay, so either they're going to give a really- Wait, where are cool- the Kree villains in? Oh, yeah. Guardians with- of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. And also, the Accuser. Ag- and also Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I didn't oh, watch. Oh, yeah, yeah, he watches that. He watches that. Um, so the fact that, the MCU has already set up the Kree as villains and the fact that they made the Skrull so likable from the very beginning, instantly I was like, uh, they're going to make the Skrull good guys and the Kree bad guys. So when it happened, I saw it coming. Chanel, who doesn't know anything about the comics, she saw it coming as well. And it's I was a like, very, oh, so it's, it's a very obviously done plot. Like I've mm. seen other movies, other TV shows, animes that yeah, use yeah. that as a it's plot. A common. Like it's a very common thread. But I didn't, I didn't, I never got the impression that the movie was trying to really hide that. It was because the 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 what I like the most mm. about this movie, and and it, it's not. I wish it was visually a little cooler. Oh. They had some cool moments. There was enough cool moments, like the weird flip on the train. There was enough cool moments peppered in there for me to not be like, this is really yeah. bad. But a lot of this movie lived in like over the shoulder shots. Yeah. Mm. Like a lot of it. And 
and that kind of bugged me. But like, I liked the the message of the movie was kind of this in joke about you know like you have to prove yourself. I loved that it was oh. usurping of that weird myth. The, how she yeah. beat Jude Law at the end. The, the I Indiana saw that was the best. I saw thing, it yeah. coming, but, but it, it was, was so really great fun. because yeah. I loved what it because as opposed to just having it as a joke, it actually said something about. Mm. About the character, but also kind of feminism in the same point. It was yeah. also it was like the Indiana Jones moment plus feminism, like building upon that <laughs> yeah. feminism. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like it was the whole Jones idea plus that feminism. the whole idea yeah. that she has to prove herself. And because yeah. I was always like that, because my whole thing watching like old mm. school movies and stuff, it's like why do they have to learn how to do it without their powers? Like they have the powers, use the fucking powers. Like yeah. mm. I always raged against that, and so I really quite liked that this movie was like, no, fuck that. Yeah, yeah fuck if it. you if you got nuclear fucking fists, <laughs> yeah. use the nuclear fucking fists. You're not so, like worthless because you do use them. It's like, yeah, because. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I liked the tone and the, and the comedy in it. I liked it enough. Like as far as like if I divide the MCU into half, it's definitely yeah. in the top half yeah, same. Mm. of them for me. It's not my favorite, like which is probably Black Panther, but mm. I liked it. Also- Overall, more than I, or about maybe the same as Doctor Strange is better visually, but shitter story wise. Yeah. Captain Marvel is a greater story. The visuals were a little lacking. I, I see those I two. I think very... the cat's a little overrated, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> uh, I feel like people shouldn't have played up I the wanted, cat so much. Yeah, they played up the cat so much. And so I was expecting something huge, and I was just like, oh, okay, tentacles. Yeah. That's cool um, and funny, but I expect something I expected something like the size of that thing from The Force Awakens that ravages through the yeah, yeah. the ship and it was kind of not that. <laughs> uh, but what I was saying about the Kree Sk- Skrull issue, um because I love uh Invasion Body Snatcher things. Yeah, I felt ri- uh, like a little like, oh man, they didn't go the Skrull full actually- secret invasion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I found out that in the original uh, script for Avengers, it wasn't the Chitori, the faceless fucking. It was going to be the Skrulls. It was going to be the Skrulls. And I uh, think if that was the case, I'd be far more interested. Sorry, why would the Skrulls be invading? Because the the like I said, it's always fifty fifty that the Skrulls. Are, so the Skrulls would have like gone to Thanos for help or something, and that's why they're on the side. But that would give this movie more of a ooh. Are the Kree going to be evil or are the Skrull evil? Or are they both but see, evil? I feel like the Kree are the shtick of the next phase of Marvel post-Endgame. Oh, really? Obviously, this Ronan's come. Why would you bring Ronan back? Because he didn't Ronan's do- Ronan's dead. Did, oh, no. Did he die? Yeah, he's only yeah, back because he it's the prequel. Well, see, but there's a lot of people who have died who are going to come back. Why would-, why would Because why bring Ronan, Ronan back, back for him to do literally fuck all in this movie? Uh, to be fair, you are right there because I thought it was really weird that it's like we'll have to come back for the weapon. And he also like, had oh, none the of thing? the black poop on his face. I think that's, that's when he's exiled. Years ago, he, he gets exiled. Yeah, but how does exiling make you have black poop on your so face? He, like, puts, <laughs> it's literally puts it the on. first scene of Guardians of the Galaxy puts black shit on his face because it's like a ritual thing he does. He like sacrifices people. See, but then that means because he's exiled, that means he's not. But that means the Kree aren't villains in that. Yeah, they're thing not at all. It's literally just Ronan. True. They're not always are. Yeah, he's yeah. the exile one. Like, like I say, in comics, Korean Skrull, 50-50. Also, but, uh, I do want to say, I know you don't like Ben Mendelsohn that much, Shane. He was really good in this. I, I 100% yeah. agree. And maintained, oh, I say maintained an accent because it was, it was his Australian. own, his yeah. natural fucking accent. But I do have to ask, why? Why is it? That you got this alien race of all these They've different got, aliens a lot and of the others, one Australian. The others were pretty much British. 
and they figure Australian is close enough to British. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, it just seemed so random, but I, I didn't hate it at all. I loved it. Also, Everything Ben Mendelsohn I loved in this film. The Shatari in the Ultimate Comics are mm. the Ultimate Comic version of the Scrolls because they can shapeshift. Oh, really? So that's why they just took the name and they sort of like meshed it into like just oh, another okay. warrior race in the movies. I, I don't care about the Chitauri. <laughs> anyway, Josh, what have you been watching? Oh, so much. I'm going to lead off with Haunting of Hill House. I finally watched it. Hey, good so work. Good. Did you, have you watched it? Nope. Oh, it's a masterpiece. Well, you can't say good Look, I watched Scary Movie 2, okay? Come on. Uh, that is not good enough. Uh, yeah, this is like Mike Flanagan's like magnum opus. I, yeah. Everything else he's made has like informed a show, and I love every episode, every single second of watching this. I was on the edge of my seat. I nearly choked on the spoon during <laughs> the, big, the big jump scare. Like I literally nearly died. Yeah. Uh, so much we could say about it in like a Mike Flanagan We're going to do a whole episode. I really want I wanted to do a whole episode deep. just on Haunting of Hill House. Absolutely. <laughs> I think we need to do Haunting of Hill House. So you'll need to watch it before then, Chance. Or I'll be sick that week. Either one. Oh, either one. But yeah, I simply adored it. And I was probably saved the deep dives into it for that. I also watch Oculus, speaking of Mike Flanagan. I finally caught up with that. I think it's one of my favorites of his. Just because like, and my partner and I came up with a term. It's called SCAD, when you're sad and scared at the same time. Um, That's Mike Flanagan's Flanagan's whole whole thing is SCAD because like this movie really made me scared. Um, What else? I also watched, uh, but I'm a cheerleader. So Natasha Leone's like early work. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's about like, a comedy about kind of like gay conversion therapy. They get sent to like this house and it's just like, or, and it also has like RuPaul in it. That's all like- Famously got given an NC-17 rating because of a scene of self-pleasure. Despite there are being movies of males self-pleasuring and they don't get the NC-17. No. no, As we know, women masturbating is evil. Yeah. But it's like incredibly charming for me. It also has the voice actor of Zuko in it. So it like kind of froze you off a bit, but you also really enjoy it. Uh, And also I watched The Fly. David Cronenberg's The Fly. Have you nice. yeah, seen it? Yeah, you've seen it. Obviously. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's the first time I watched it in a while and I forgot how gross it is. It's very gross. It's, it's David Cronenberg. It, it's, I knew it was going to be like David Cronenberg gross, but it's like weirdly gross in so other parts I mean, too. Body horror. When, he, when his skin falls off. And- I just think when he like loses an ear, goes to the medicine cabinet and like there's all these jars of like other things. I yeah. think once his penis also like in there, I'm just like, that's just <laughs> interesting. <laughs> But uh, I'll, I'll leave it short for now because we need to rush on. But what have you been watching? Uh, I've watched a lot. Um, I watched Clueless for the first time. I for the first time? Yeah, I had not seen that it. That live uh, tweet. It's good. I don't think it's as good as something like Mean Girls because like, the first ha- there's no real narrative propulsion. There's nothing mm. that really goes wrong also, in the movie. Also, it's but still like, her brother. Like, oh my so God, that's I love gross. It. It's not her brother. I know, but it's still... They, they, will- they are neither blood related nor legally related. I know, but it's still gross. <laughs> no, but that moment where she realizes he loves him, like that's iconic with the fountain lighting up. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, I watched... It's a documentary called Eliz- Original Cast Album Company, which is a, a Pennebaker uh, documentary about mm. the making of the album for company. And I watched it because documentary now did a parody episode called original cast album co-op. And it's written by John Mulaney and starring John Mulaney as the Stephen Sondheim esque thing. And it was, so I watched those two, but the, the documentary is actually really good, really interesting cutting things. You can find it on YouTube in some places. Very oh. worth checking out. I finished sex education. That show is boss and awesome. amazing and brilliant. So good. Uh, I watched The Gay Divorcee, which is not as gay as it sounds. It's the first pairing of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers the oh. iconic music duo, and it yeah. is not as good as their later outings. It's very much the prototype for what eventually ended up being it, and it's like only got three musical numbers, so bit of a bit of bit lacking in the musical department. 
Captain Marvel, as I said. Fleabag Season 2 has started and it is amazing and we'll be talking about that a little more later. Uh, I rewatched The Favourite because I'm stealing visually from that for my web series. That nice. movie is amazing. <laughs> it is great. It holds up on second viewings. You're picking apart all the little micro choices in the performances, especially like Emma Stone or Rachel Weisz. They're doing some really good work in that really really good work um i watched a western movie called 40 guns barbara stanwick directed by samuel fuller written directed and produced by samuel fuller and it is a uh, western shot in anamorphic black and white oh and because it, it is part of this genre of movies i've heard about it because of this as part of a genre of movies shot in anamorphic black and white which includes billy wilder's the apartment uh brilliant has these incredible mind-bogglingly long crane shots all throughout. It's a brilliant little western. There's a love story that's maybe a little hacky, but great movie, great movie. Uh, I watched, rewatched Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, awesome. Amazing. Amazing. Holds up. So great. And then I watched The Birdcage for the first time and I fucking love that movie and it is great. What sort of gay are you? I know, right? We had this conversation on our queer film episode where I had not seen (laughs) The Birdcage. Can I assume that I also watched Behind the Curve, which is about the flat earth documentary? Why would you put yourself through that? Fucking hilarious. It's real fun. They have... Three different experiments where they prove that the earth isn't flat. Yeah. And also they have a bunch of psychologists and NASA employees who actually just tear them apart in the docker and it's real funny. But uh, they come out of the end of it still believing it's flat, right? Yeah. Yeah. That would frustrate the shit out of me. It does. It um, now we're going to move on to our recommendations. So yes. we're talking about, uh, let's go top secret first. Top secret. Yeah. What do you guys think? Loved it. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Like I, I didn't, I don't, it's not my favorite parody movie, but there was enough really great. It's, it felt to me like they did like airplane and then they got way more money. And so they just made these really, cause all I'm watching, I'm the like, most Jesus expensive Christ, jokes all of, ever. yes, yeah, right. Absolutely. Like the underwater bar fight or the blowing up the car, or there was another one that I was just like, they're so elaborate. And yet most of that would go unnoticed oh, by anyone who doesn't know the how they made. Most bizarre bits is when, uh, when, when they're infiltrating the place, they punch the guy, he falls off and just shatters. Yeah, the glass it's like, shattering. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a bizarre joke. Oh, the, the musical numbers, like all of the musical yeah. numbers. Mm. Skeet surfing. Skeet, Skeet surfing. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, when Skeet surfing flies to number one, the next three are also by him and are also about skeeting. <laughs> I did not notice that. I reckon it'll bear repeat viewings. Um, one of my favorite gags, so it's the one where they're crawling along, crawling along, and there's the boots. The boots, yeah. And they pan up to just empty boots. I reckon- Because I love that moment in other movies, and I love just taking it Well, apart. that entirely like, infiltration scene where, like, they do the boot thing, and then they go and try and throw the kind of thing he keeps missing, or, like, throwing the guy throw up the there. And throw the guy up. And, the and he's, like, holding on. Grappling and then they do that wrestling match with the barbed wire. Thing. Yeah. I yep. did find, the one thing I did find, it seems to just- end out yeah. of the blue it's like they f- ran out of money and kind of were like okay I wrap guess it up wrap is, it up this is it um that was the only weird mm. part to me that a lot of the other parody movies kind of managed to have a yeah. bit more of a coda to it but i yep. i had fun with it i had fun with it um as for zane's recommendation this, yes. this is from, from psycho Privacy. beach party. psycho beach party what like just Fun choices, top second psycho bitch party <laughs> right? like, yeah. Very fun. Miss Sloan was a real downer after this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, I had never, I'd heard, and people had told me to watch Psycho Beach. Oh, party we, we had a friend in high school who yeah, was obsessed, obsessed with it, with it. Mm. and then all of a sudden. Uh, I watched the movie. For, it's great. I had yeah. fun with it. I th- like, like one of the opening lines is, "Boy, uh, you know, all they want is one thing. Do you want to get a wiener?" Like. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or um, uh, who do I have to fuck around here to get a hot dog? Just all of these great. I want to. I think this is like a one you watch with like friends. Oh, definitely. It's a big it's, crowd pleaser. Yeah, yeah, big crowd pleaser. Mm. Quotable as fuck. Uh, yeah, the I drag wanna, queen cop. See, I want to <laughs> get together with. Tim Burns <gasps> and uh, we haven't had her on Katie the, Bell. Would Katie love Bell. Her. I yes. want Tim Burns and Katie Bell and just get a room, people. We and should watch do a this commentary movie. on it. We can you forget them. Oh here. god, do I, I don't know. I don't know because it's so funny on its own. Yeah, I don't, don't want yeah, to copy it with a. True. Oh, for, but like it's like I love how all the swirls make her turn into her ultimate <laughs> personalities. <laughs> And um, Nicholas Brendan from Buffy. Yep, yep. In it. And it's just so... It, it felt so much like a Roger Corman production. That there were moments... There was a good half an hour. I legitimately you forgot get, that it was made in 2000. You get lost in it. That it looks really old school. Yeah. The, like, the, the technical the, execution of, technical. of replicating 60s mm. surf movies was like insane mm. um still a great amy adams performance i will <laughs> yeah i will i'll buy this it was she keeps showing up in a lot of early 2000 stuff you're like oh she's already charming yeah. and pleasant she's really yeah. good shane you'd only just recently watched um oh those crappy uh, santa horror films yes yes oh. did this remind you of them at all because that's what i was thinking the whole murder. a little bit but this was better oh yeah way better way because better. it was self-aware oh, do you know one scene doing? i loved is when when she's like saying when they're giving away that when so when she's talking to the psychologist about the breakdown of the of what the killer would be and then just there's this circle thought bubble yeah. that where all the faces <laughs> boom, of everyone boom, appears boom, and then just question mark <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i had so much fun with this movie i kind of yeah. i want to i'm definitely going to revisit that one several times uh now miss sloan miss mm. okay so did you watch this one with Chanel? I did. Uh, Chanel was like reading a book at the time, but she like she really it? got into it in that last yeah. monologue. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was literally watching this the day that the big shooting in New Zealand happened. Jesus Christ. So, oh, so I actually Jesus, watched, yeah, I watched it was well. I on just feeling I it. was like captivated from the start. Like I was mm. so interested just, in just this Just open on her close up with that voiceover. Yeah. Mm. And then, but then not to like hold that, that voiceover and reveal it. Like they reveal it pretty straight up that it was the thing. And this is my favorite Jessica Chastain performance by like a okay, lot. I was going to say, I like Jessica Chastain, but fuck, I loved her in this movie. She yeah. fucking showed up. Yeah. Yeah. And this was a first screenplay. The guy had never written a script Ridiculous. before. This is a first script. He was a English fuck language teacher <laughs> from America who then, oh, sorry, from England who had then moved. He was a lawyer turned English teacher. He literally wanted to get into screenwriting. So he took a job where he knew he'd have the time to write. So he took like teaching English in huh. Korea and then segue. He has a really good interview on the Q and a with Jeff Goldsmith. I highly yep. recommend to track it yep. down. Um, I love this. This is, yeah. this is a was, great movie. I was telling you before, I actually literally had a dream about, I think it might have been Jessica Chastain, might have just been a redheaded woman dressing down a room. And it's because of this movie, because what she does with the dialogue and the script, I yeah. fucking yeah. loved. Yeah. And I love the way it was shot, especially in that sure. final monologue, that just that half dolly yeah. move, like fucking, yeah. I love this movie. Oh, I'm so glad you guys like that. I'm so glad. <laughs> it's, it's one like, of my favorites now. So yeah. new recommendations for two weeks. What have we got? Cool. I, I, I was tossing up with a few of these. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm starting How? to get really into like, what should I recommend? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know which way I wanted to go with this. It sucks. Personally, I really wanted to force UHF on both of you, but I'm pretty sure I'm the only person with a copy of UHF and it's an American copy. So movie night at trust. <laughs> UHF is kind of out the window for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was trying to think of something else that is really close to my heart that I feel like doesn't get enough appreciation from you, Shane, at Sharknado. I want you to watch Sharknado. <sighs> Josh, have you seen Sharknado? I've seen Sharknado. You've seen Sharknado? Yeah. Shane, you haven't but seen Sharknado. You can't, it has to be something none of us have seen. 
God damn it. Okay, why don't you who you discuss? I've seen half of Sharknado. Okay, well, my recommendation, I tossed up because I was trying Mm. to figure out what it should be. Um, Some of my options, I'm like, should I give you like Magnolia? But I'm like, no, that's like a three-hour movie. (laughs) I'm not going to visit that kind of pain on you. But I thought I would, because it kind of relates to what I've just been watching, I'm going to recommend Fleabag, episode one and two. So this is only two half-hour Episodes like the like you, the you gave me Fleabag, so I have that. All yeah, set. Fleabag. It's also on Amazon Prime, and I know you have a chance. Yeah, I know. Because yeah, it's yeah, a Christmas present for your wife. Um, so because season two's just started, and this show, the voice on this show is something else. That that like cut you tagged me in like that yeah, clip. I was like, a, in episode shit. one, there's just this 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 smash cut that is fucking glorious. The whole of episode one of season two is just a, the most awkward family dinner ever. And it get, <laughs> it, you have no idea what places it goes to. It's insane. Her, her voice as a writer is extraordinary. So I'm recommending Fleabag episodes one and two. Cool. Josh, cool. what are you recommending? So my recommendation comes from like this, my love of like this certain type of monster. Almost, it's, it's let the right one in. So I don't know if you've seen it. No, I haven't. Okay, so it's the original like uh, Swedish version, which is on stand. Okay, cool. I was gonna ask, yeah. is this the Swedish or it's American the Swe- version? Like, and both of them are actually on stand. So if you feel inclined to watch a remake, which I haven't even done because I don't feel I want to watch the remake because I'm in <laughs> and love. Chance goes. That's my recommendation. <laughs> 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 ah, fuck. Um, nah, this is honestly the best example of this, this genre. I love the way they build the mythology of the story. Yeah. And it's essentially like a film centered on like bullying as well. And it's like very important. It is the director of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, oh, Thomas Alfredson. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Slash the snowman. Yeah. And this Yay. Has, you could have saved her. You had all the yeah. clues. It has some of the best like use of like gore and like monster mm. setups as well. I just love this film to death. So I recommend that one. Cool. Yeah, All right. Uh, Josh, have you seen The Final Girl? I have. Have? God damn it. Fine then. Isn't it romantic? Neither of you have seen it? No. Suck Why it is in. that your recommendation? Because I wanted it to be The Final Girls and Josh has already seen it. Okay. I'll watch well, Isn't How it about romantic? this? Josh, you watch Isn't It Romantic. Shane, you have to watch both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Done. Okay. I've been uh, meaning to watch The Final Girls because what's his name? We're eventually going to run out of, in it. We're going to yeah. run out of recommendations that we all haven't seen. So we'll do that. <laughs> no, yeah. there's plenty. I've, I've got I like know a there's plenty. well of deep cuts. I could just, if I just go to any movie pre-1980, I can guarantee you guys haven't seen yeah. it. Just go into the 1950s. <laughs> um, Radio. So, I mean, we've spent like half an hour <laughs> in our preamble, but it's a short subject. What do we mean by metafiction? Is an is it different for TVs and movies? Well, it's sort of it's like it's present in all forms and mediums, like comic books and books and theater as well. It's certainly it's usually used to like address certain tropes mm. featured within the mediums yeah. or within specific genres itself. So, metafictional meta text, and when it's in cinema, it's actually called meta cinema as one word. Yeah. Like I was googling this, um, so mm. it's when the text acknowledges itself as a text. Yeah, yeah. so it's quote unquote breaking the illusion of a of a mm. suspension of of awareness, I guess yeah. you want to say. But it also doesn't have to like break the fourth wall, but it can be like a character is like hyper aware of like the situation they're in and like co- commenting on the things that are happening mm. as well. Uh, a, a classic example is um Jamie Kennedy and Scream mm. being like, oh you got these are the rules yeah. of a horror movie. Yeah. yeah. Or, even the one, yeah. or even hot fuzz. How yeah. it's like a commentary on like the action drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it can be done in like offhanded jokes like lampshade hanging, which is a term. Mm-hmm. Have we to spoken about TV I tropes don't think before? So. TV tropes? Probably. We, do you know of TV tropes? 
Oh, it was in the website? The website. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So lampshade hanging is what it's referred to, is when you're acknowledging something as part of the thing. Usually it's done to cover, like, lazy writing because you acknowledge it being lazy writing. There's like Chuck the, Lorre does this. Who wrote that? Yeah. Like, like, I, I did said, it. <laughs> legitimately stand-up comedy. Going, yeah. Oh, that was a shit joke. <laughs> yeah, that's lampshade hanging. Yeah, lampshade. Uh, fourth wall breaking, which is characters turn to camera and address the audience directly. It can yeah. be done purely in voiceover, but a lot of the time there's sort of a distinct difference between just a narration like American Beauty or yeah. something like um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which he addresses. He's like, oh, fuck, I'm a yeah. bad storyteller. Okay, like, yeah. so ignore that. Go back. Like, he's addressing you, the audience. Um, Big Short does it as well. Uh, and so the origin of the term fourth wall breaking is... Of course, in theatre, you've got the fourth wall. You've got the three walls of the fourth wall. The, the fourth wall is the imaginary wall that in between the audience and the characters. Yeah. And, and so it's break breaking the wall. the wall to acknowledge mm. the audience being there. Uh, the story, you can also be like the story referencing itself. A really great uh, example of this is the movie Adaptation. Have you? Have either of you guys seen this? Yeah, of course. No, I've missed Adaptation. You oh, have? It's on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, you I have seen it? I've seen it. Oh, you need yeah. to watch yeah, it. I Fuck, I wish yeah. I could make that my it recommendation. It took me ages to get around to watching because Chanel's yeah. not a huge yeah. fan of John Charlie Malkovich Kaufman. or Nicolas Cage. Sorry, John John Malkovich is not in there. That was me trying to get her to watch being John Malkovich. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which is another great example. I think it's actually on my list. So that's, oh, the, yeah, that's yeah, the director and yeah. Yeah. writer of Adaptation. Charlie Kaufman. As the first scene of Adaptation tells you. Mm. All the story mm-hmm. referencing its own existence in the real world, yeah. i.e. Deadpool does this a lot. Deadpool uses a lot of mm. all of these kind of meta textual uh, There was a great meta moment in Captain Marvel where Stan Lee plays Stan Lee. Reading Morat Reading scripts. the script from Morat's. Yep. Wait, what? When he's on the Stanley's train. Stanley's in Morat's, the yeah. Kevin Smith movie, and he's Was reading the script. He's reading? Yeah, he's yeah. reading the script of Morat's. He's going off to I be don't remember, in Morat's. I don't remember. I couldn't. How did you see the script for it? It was like a big red page that said Morat's yeah. on it. It was really big. I did not also, see that. Also, he's saying that line that. over and over again, which is right. Uh, is, is it the last thing he says to the guy before I think, he goes I think off? it's the last thing he oh, says okay, to Brody. So that's, yeah. that, that's kind yeah. of broken the universe now because Stanley is not... Stanley is, is now also a Stan Lee. Lee, the creator of Marvel. So he was comics. creating Marvel in the world in which it was existing, but also yeah. a watcher. Um, TV's mostly the same, but we see a lot of less fourth wall breaking and mm. less kind of meta meta jokes, unless it's like a full on absurdist comedy. So Thirty Rock yeah. is wall to wall meta jokes. Like yeah. there's all sorts of because it's a show about there's like a, TV. There's it's a, dressing there's an episode, down you know, the like they, they, but down to you know, like someone says something, the camera kind of goes in. Yeah. There's Kenneth, he's like says something, camera goes in, he says something. And camera goes in, says something. The camera goes and knocks him in the face, um, like uh, a, Mel Brooks, yeah. a, a very Mel Brooksian kind of joke. Um, stuff like Fleabag and Miranda involve the audience in yeah. the text as part of the text. So in Miranda, where the people privy yeah. to her internal long, and it's like that with Fleabag. But Fleabag did some really interesting things. Um, I wanted to ask you guys what you thought of, of a live studio audience and where that sits in terms of metafiction, because it does Ooh. affect because. The people slot. They literally pause. Pause they have to moments. wait for the laugh. That's true. Because uh, what was it? Um, so there was someone who did a recent uh, video essay on uh, laugh tracks because everyone does those classic Big Bang Theory uh, where they cut out the laughs and they go, "Ooh, look how awkward and uncomfortable it is." Yeah. And he goes, "That's just sitcoms in general. Let's get this scene from Frasier." And they got a scene from Frasier, cut out all the laugh tracks, and it's really awkward and uncomfortable because they say something, stand there for a bit, and then say something else. And he's like, so if this was like a normal modern TV show without a laugh track, it should be done like this. And they cut out all the gaps in between it, and they edit it as like a cohesive thing, and it like cut it down 
to really shorten. It must be a thing you have to plan in writing as well. Because that's they why do. they rehearse. That's why they rehearse yeah, true, true. live sitcoms like for the week leading up mm. to it. Um, also, meta versus satire. So something like Cabin in the Woods, I don't see as a meta film in the sense. Yeah. as it, And Scream is sort of like that as well because Scream is, to me, they're not breaking the, the notion of it being a horror movie. They're just... Yeah horror movies exist in the world of the film that you're watching. I would mm. say that um, Cabin in the Woods, because the whole idea is that these people are orchestrating a horror movie to a horror appease. Horror scenario, yeah. The, well, no, they're, they're but creating they're actually, a horror movie not to appeasing. appease the gods, and when they don't fit the exact structure that they wanted, the gods are angry and destroy the world. Yeah, but in the text of cabin in the woods mm. it is actual it's a giant hand it's, yeah, it's not a, it's not the actual like like audiences an audience. don't just walk out the studio lights turn off they pan back and, mm. and okay. go ahead. um like in there's a there's a terrible fake reality show called the hills oh, yeah, yeah. but the very no, last, the last episode, episode is very iconic because they literally like had this the, the main character she gets back with her love interest but then the end of the episode they pull back turn off the lights the set moves out and the whole thing just like they deconstruct the entire show in the last 10 seconds of it <laughs> um and a really crazy tv example is the nanny that i spoke about a couple of yes, weeks ago yeah. when they fran, fran Fine meets fran drescher playing yeah. the nanny in a sitcom of the nanny that exists in the world of the show and he's just like oh i can't do that math doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work i like the fact that the the tv show frasier also exists in the nanny Oh, oh wait, no, it's the other way around. Frasier, in Frasier, Nanny exists because they keep on making references to Niles. Uh, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he gets like a he gets like a a check <laughs> for for being Niles in things. Uh, it's like, uh, um, it's a very <laughs> weird meta moment. Uh, so it can be used for comedy and it can be used for dramatic purposes. So what's mm. the difference and how does using metafiction work? In, in the space of these two. I only ever use it as comedy, so I'll leave you guys to handle this. <laughs> we'll talk about comedy. Oh, well, well with okay. comedy, it's usually, you know, you're, it's either lazy writing or you're pointing out the tropes that are usually the associated with the, this ge- yeah. uh, genre and then making fun of it in some way or even just pointing it It can it be out. just a punchline as well, like yeah. top secret, the bit where they go, that sounds like a terrible movie and they just stop and look, look at the camera. camera. <laughs> uh, hot Tub Time Machine is one of the most iconic ones, like the most yeah, well-known ones. It sounds like some kind of Hot Tub Time Machine and they just look straight down the barrel of the lens. Um, it can be used for punctuation. Miranda and Fleabag both use it yep. as punctuation for uh, the comedy. It's not necessarily Malcolm a punchline. Always did that. Malcolm in the Middle, yep, 100%. I never watched that show. That really? <laughs> yeah. I, I rewatched all of that like a couple <laughs> months ago. Um, even Deadpool oh. uses it. Yeah. Kind of that. Um, it's completely different when you look at it in dramatic context. Yeah, because I, I, when you said dramatic, I was like, drama uses it? What? This well, fourth wall thing. is usually done for perspective, the same way like a first-person novel works. Yeah. Um, but a step further than simple narration. Like I said, like American Beauty is like a narrator, so you're getting a first-person perspective. But, yeah. um, for example, in uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. Is, mm. uh, oh, you haven't seen The Wolf of Wall Street. I haven't seen it. Have you seen – you've seen I, Tonya? No, I didn't. <sighs> Like this I said, I haven't any seen any of the free debt we could like point for dramatic really? drama based fourth wall breaks. Or on the big short. Yeah, I know. Hell, man. What did you do? The big short's interesting because it's more of an omnipotent. They're almost, like, they're almost it's in my talking with the voice list. of the 
Wait, you haven't seen The Big Short either? No, no, I have seen it. I was going to fucking say. You know I've seen it. Fucking change my recommendation. Um, <laughs> uh, the Big Short's interesting because the fourth wall breaking isn't one particular character, although one particular character is our narrator, but other characters will turn and be like, this didn't happen, da-da-da. So it's almost like an omnipotent narrator mm. running the show. Uh, kind of like in, um, uh, what is it, a thingy thingy gesture? Gesture? Yeah, the the the... Ah, the National Lampoon biopic. I have not seen uh, it. The, oh, a few oh, times. Yeah, stupid gesture. Futile stupid gesture. That's yeah. the one. Halfway through, because uh, they bring in all the writers, and then he turns the camera. And We've he's like combined like, a few. Yeah, he's like, like left look, out some. There were actually all of these people, and all these names come up on screen. He's like, but you know, this is a movie, so we had to condense a few. Does he do that and, any other point during the movie? Yeah. Oh, so, okay. Cool. Uh, and a, also, the narrator plays the older version, but he died when he was younger. Yeah, he died so. when he was younger. So why yeah. is he older? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's intended for the. It's usually intended, I find, for the audience to perceive the narrative in a very specific way. So it's done to really guide the perspective of a story, rather than like a we're present we're presenting the story to you, and there's this self interpretation kind of thing where. Yeah. We're giving you a very specific voice into it. And that can be, I guess, you know, this will segue into good and bad examples of both and why, but it, that can sometimes lead into it being too didactic and audiences will inherently go like, no, I need, to, I want to be able to do some of the legwork myself. Mm. Um, so something like Fleabag is really interesting, especially with season two, because they had, it's developing the context of her fourth wall breaking as it goes through. They just did an episode where she's doing a therapy because her dad got her a th- therapy session for her birthday <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> nice. And it's like, you can find this actual, uh, there's a clip of it on online, but, um, and she, they're talking about her friends and she's like, Oh, I've, I've got friends. And she like looks to the audience um, and she's like, they're always there for me. And you're like, Oh wait, like, are we part of her psychosis? <laughs> like as opposed to just being the joke, like the person yeah. she gives asides to, are we now part of her psychosis in a, in a weird kind of like crazy ex-girlfriend almost, mm-hmm. but even more so it's really, really like the writing has just escalated and got better and better and better. And I didn't think they could get better than season one. Um, any of you guys got notes on these good and bad examples of both and why uh, I, I can I feel like I'm monologuing right see, now. I feel like the bad versions are usually the pointing out, Hey, aren't we stupid? One. Like there are a few moments in Deadpool 2 I didn't like the meta of it because it was literally, oh, we're pointing out a thing. And then I didn't see what the timing of it I find is so crucial. So something like Miranda mm. does it at just the right moment. Yeah. As opposed to Deadpool kind of feels like, ah, oh, it's mm. getting boring quick. Put a joke here, you know, put yeah. a meta joke, put a meta joke. And uh, Deadpool does like two, sorry, Once Upon a Deadpool does like mm. two levels of that. And I, once, like I laughed in the cinema. That's the thing. I can't deny that I yeah. enjoyed it, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, it is really lazy. Is that when he's like, that's a four four break within a four four break? No, no, not that. No, yeah. no, it's Deadpool two. He goes because um, there's like the fourth wall break about oh it's lazy writing, and then they go to Fred Savage and the thing he says, aren't yeah. you? Isn't pointing out the lazy writing still just lazy writing? Pointing out to like, yeah. See, I didn't see Deadpool. Uh, sorry, once upon a Deadpool, but I feel like I would laugh at that bit. And I was like, damn, they got me. They made yeah. the, They did the bad I was thing. Like, that was like that with me. It was like that with me. Um, uh, adaptation is such an interesting movie because it makes the meta text intrinsically dramatic and almost foolproof oh, from actually, criticism. You know what? Yes. That's a great use of it's dramatic. It's almost uh, foolproof from criticism because it is a narrative that's trying to figure itself out at the same time it is being told. Yeah. And so its flaws are part of 
what makes it dramatic mm. is that it is a flawed story that acknowledges its flaws and it's a, it, adaptation to me is like pretty fucking masterful as yeah. a script because I don't know how anyone else but Charlie Kaufman could have done that. Even like Stranger Than Fiction because he couldn't. Stranger Than Fiction, yeah. yeah. Literally um, the entire conceit of that is like whether she should kill him off and what does that affect the, the world, her world and his world. Mm. Yeah, I yeah. That's um, hinge. And and it also adaptation arrives at its own criticism of itself early yeah. on. Um, a bad example very recently is Vice. Okay, um, didn't watch Vice. It, did he? I, did he just lean too far from what he no, did? No, so the big it, I I'm, I'm taking I'm taking a, a, a page out of Zane's sort of uh, letterbox to talk about this, but because it talks down to and mocks the audience very, th- especially oh. at the very end, he. They do this whole piece to camera. He's like doing an interview, doing an interview, and he stops the interview, turns down, and he says, you think you did this, You're, you created a monster like me, rah, rah, rah. And it's just so, it's very condescending in a very unconstructive way. And then on top of that, it, it, it becomes muddled with all these like mixed metaphors and all this kind of thing. But it, it's like the worst of a didactic narrative. And then mm. there's this gag at the end where, they say, oh, but we're in a liberal mood. Like they're doing like a focus group and then the focus group are like, oh, but this is just liberal propaganda, yada, yada. And then these two girls turn to say, ugh, this is terrible. Are you excited for the new Fast and Furious movie? Yeah. And then they go to more oh, credits. God. And you're like, the point you're getting is a, a, a good point, but you were doing it in the absolute fundamentally worst possible way. Perhaps intentionally, perhaps like, fuck this, I want to annoy people, but that's not going to win anything that you're trying to convince anyone of. It was really uh, painful. Bad meta jokes, like I thought Deadpool 2 dropped the ball. I Mm. like Deadpool 1, but then it repeat viewings, it starts to not hold up. It's tiresome. I I think I said when I came out, I like the, I really like the story of Deadpool 2 more, but yeah. I don't think it's nearly as funny. Yeah. I think the jokes don't work as well. Yeah. yeah, 110%, 110%. And like rewinding the movie with the time travel thing at the end to basically undo the entire purpose of the mm. movie, terrible, terrible, terrible. Because the whole movie, the whole the best part of the writing is then mm. undone for the purposes of a punchline in a meta yep. joke, really. Uh, have you guys seen Funny Games? No, I've. it's yeah. on my list. Which one? Uh, either. They are shot for shot. Are they? Yeah. When did you watch Funny Games? Why did you uh, watch Funny Games? When I was living in Darwin, the American <laughs> one came out, so I borrowed them both out because I worked at Video Easy. It's Michael Haneke, who just hates people. That is his whole thing as a filmmaker. He just hates people. I see that in the movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause that's it's on very, the list. I've been meaning to watch it for a while. That's a very interesting the, and- one of them's on Stan. Polarizing meta movie. Yeah. Because I did a lot of reading afterwards and it was pretty much the, the two main characters, the two- bad guys are the audience and they're creating this, uh, this violence themselves. Yeah. And they keep like winking and smiling at the camera. And exactly. All that kind of stuff. They, it, it is no longer on stand. Just FYI. Okay, I was looking up. <laughs> they, they are an audience member who has just come into this unrelated movie and decided to fuck things up. And that's the idea of it. And there is a very polarizing moment in it that I will not mention in case you guys don't Isn't know. Right. No, Jesus fucking hell, man. That's Michael Haneke. He Actually, yeah, he point. does or like, like there is like a ten minute unbroken take of a guy suffocating his wife in a moor. Like See, this what is movie is that? Amour. Uh, it's the old people who are like eighty five years old and she's like having microstrokes and dying, so he just he kills her. Sorry, uh, spoiler alert, he kills her at the end in a ten minute unbroken take where he just he sits with her at the bed, just sits like six minutes of this unbroken take is him just sitting there, sitting there, and then he just takes the pillow and suffocates her. And it's it's he and it's like a static fucking shot. He just hates people. <laughs> Michael Haneke's fair enough. Um, 
are we at peak metafiction? I want to say yes, but there's going to be something down it's the road. Get a lot worse. I think Deadpool has done a lot to kill the wit involved with some mm. of the more funnier metafiction. Yeah. Um, and we haven't seen it really come through TV in the way it did like in 30 Rock or when they do try it, it doesn't quite work as yeah. well. I don't know. I, I want to see a clever, I want to see like an adaptation because I think there's so m- there's opportunities for mm. a version of adaptation for this sort of newer world that we are in with social media and all that kind oh, of thing. True, true. I just don't know what that is. Charlie Kaufman will find, figure it out, you he know? Ha- he hates making movies now. Oh, really? Oh, Anomalise is all right, but Anomalise is not really meta or it kind of is. No, not really. No. Um, Have I you seen Anomalise? No, I haven't. Have you? I, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's uh, very weird. I wanted to because I love Charlie Kaufman. Um, but I was going to say, uh, this is more related to Shane. When you when we wrote that meta uh, forty eight hour, where on project, earth is Cameron's set of keys though? <laughs> Available right. on Vimeo. Yeah, you can find that on Vimeo. Uh, you, you watch. Is it just Shane Anderson on Vimeo? Yeah, it'll yeah. be somewhere. You there. can find all of Shane's short films there, and also his feature film, uh, his first feature film, Red Curtain Hell. <laughs> That's available on Vimeo on demand. That's vimeo.com slash on demand slash Red Curtain Hell. Use the code use picture code. Did you want to use it now? Do yeah, it now? do it now. Okay, use the code PitchRangers to get 20% off your purchase of rental. That's called a flawless segue. Um, but yeah, awesome. when we were writing that- You just called it out and now it's a meta joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, when we were writing that, uh, did you feel like we were being lazy? Because <laughs> we were there and we were like, should we do this? We? And then we just like, because there was a point, I was like, should we just lean into the meta? And mm. you're like, yeah. And I'm like, fuck done and then it became better to me it is it's not lazy it is a movie and i said this when i tell people about the movie it's a movie that exists for that specific year of 48 hour and it really a lot of stuff does not play outside of it but 48 hour never really goes on to do anything outside of 48 hour it's literally made for that weekend to have Uh, some fun with friends uh chanel went to a i don't know if i can say all of this but anyway katie and chanel they had like this ladies night uh and katie ended up bring out all the 48 hours that she'd been in <laughs> and she played them in the order that she thought was the best. And it was the exact opposite for them. Cause she played, um, uh, where on earth is Cameron set of keys, those first, and they hated it. They were like, cause they had no idea what the fuck was going on because it was so specifically made for 48 hour film project in what was it? 2016, yeah. 17, 15, S- uh, 16, 16. Right, yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't play well outside of 48 Hour. But I think that night when it screened, oh, oh did we have some good it ones? Was, it was, yeah, some great laughs, some great laughs. Um, well, I think that's everything. Any other any other points? Yeah. I'd, love to, I'd love to see it used in more dramatic stuff. Dramatic yeah, meta text, I, I think, is the way to go. I, th- I think just it's not an interesting vice. way to use it. Um, yeah. Just because I, I can't think of a way that I Don't be a dick word. <laughs> So we're going to our top five and I thought we'd do top five meta moments in movies or TV because there's, mm. there's quite a, a lot to choose from. Do mm. we want me to go first? Yeah, go first. Why not? Okay. Yeah. Got some honourable mentions. Uh, so the concept, not the actual movie, but the concept of the sequels to The Human Centipede. Okay. How yeah. each movie uh, yeah. exists yeah. subsequent to what is in. So in, yeah. not there in Human Centipede 1, then in Human Centipede 2, the the movie of the Human Centipede 1 exists, then in Human Centipede 3, the movie of 2. Like it's uh, this 1 and 2 1 and 2 exist. both exist. So it's this really bizarre... And also uh, the villain from 1 and the villain from 2 are the villains in the third movie, and each of them are obsessed with their Human Centipede movie. 
That's so. It's so <laughs> bizarre so, to me. There's a better version, a better thing to put that in, a better movie series. <laughs> well, like some I kind of action <laughs> movie parody would be a really clever version of that. Yeah. I reckon. Um, uh, you mean thinking of it, thinking of it, thinking of it. The last action hero. I've been told I haven't seen that yet, but it's on the list. Oh, okay, cool. Because yeah, that's that's the meta action movie. Or you go with Tropic Thunder as well for the yeah, modern, or modern, Tropic yeah, Thunder. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I wanted to put. Uh, so, um, Wanted, the fourth mm. will break. Have you seen Wanted? Uh, no, I haven't. Have never, you seen Wanted, Josh? With it. Yeah. Very end of the movie. The last line of the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought is a really great. Oh, is a lot a of spoiler? people. Kind of, Ooh. kind of. But it's a really, Look. he breaks the fourth wall, turns the audience. And it's, it's a really fun moment. He also fun decks moment. Chris Pratt in the face of a keyboard. So That's the one <laughs> Chris I've Pratt seen. is the guy he's, in that movie, isn't it? Guy. I need to rewatch this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while, actually. It's been a hot minute. But, um, so my number, f- so my f- top five, number five is the entire movie of Hell's a Poppin', which I talked about a couple yeah, of weeks did, ago, yeah. because that movie is, they, they rewind the film because the, the movie starts on the projectionist who's projecting the movie that you're about to watch. <laughs> and then it only gets weirder from there. Yeah. And it's, it's like they walk in costumes change. It's opens in hell. And then they are on, then they cut, they call cut. And then it's the people making the movie that you were just watching. That's been projected by the guy. And then they walk through and change sets. And then it just, it is like, layers upon layers of the most meta jokes you can imagine. It's not mm. always cohesive, but it's a really fun watch. And mm-hmm. that it was done in 1941 makes it even more bizarre. Yeah, that's so bizarre. Um, uh, number four is The Player. The Robert Altman movie, the opening shot is this long nine-minute tracking shot. And in the middle of the tracking shot, there's a guy who says, movies these days are always cut, 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 a touch of evil. The opening shot was six and a half minutes long. You know, we need that. Like, it's it's a really – that movie's like a total satire of the Hollywood business. Yeah. And then there's a movie that they're making starring Julia Roberts in it. And then they, the movie gets rewritten. It's, really, it's a really funny, really great movie. I love every – Robert Altman's a genius in my mind. Uh, number three is Happy Endings, the joke from I believe it was season two where mm. she's like, he told me off because I kept saying words like a marzing, which is weird because I haven't said that word all season. Mm. <laughs> and by season you mean winter, right? Yeah, it's more of a summer word. <laughs> um, I just I love, I love that because that, yeah. that show was able to do meta jokes that never seemed to break the fourth wall in that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, number two is pretty much all of 30 Rock, but yeah. I do want to mm. single out the Snapple product placement okay, scene yeah. <laughs> uh, from like the first or second episode. There's also the live episode is just all meta. And then the opening of season four, the the, the first episode, it's Jack Donaghy. He's looking straight down the barrel and he goes, hey, hello everyone and welcome to season four. That is, of course, the name of the restaurant that we're all at. And then they pull out and they're all in a restaurant. Um, and it just goes on and on. The camera going into Kenneth's face. Yeah. In the very final episode, Jenna, there's an ongoing joke that's been running through the whole thing about Mickey, her and Mickey Rourke having a tumultuous relationship. <laughs> and then she finally breaks the camera. And she's like, I don't even know Mickey Rourke. Why am I doing this? <laughs> like in the final episode. And then my number one is basically the whole of adaptation. Okay. Down yeah. to the fact that the movie adaptation is written by the fictional twin brother of Charlie Kaufman like <laughs> that is genius that movie is pure genius uh chance though what are your picks okay cool so um I'm okay so this wasn't going to be the order but I'm going to do it now because you just did it my number five is going to be adaptation uh I want to specifically say the moment where the brother starts listing off how he should write the movie and then that is exactly how the movie ends. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, once it started happening, I was like, oh, wait a minute. 
Because I thought the fact that it was written by both of them, because at the start it has both of their names written by. Yeah, and and the fictional Kaufman brother was nominated for an Oscar for adaptation. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Just putting that out there. Um, And I I just thought that was like a little joke. But when that scene happened where he like listed everything off that should happen and it was just crazy and then it started happening, I was like, oh, wait a minute. He wrote, he co-wrote the movie while I was watching the movie. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'll just say that part of adaptation. My number four is going to be the concept. I'm hoping, sorry, I was going to say, I'm hoping there's one that you included because I left it off my honorable oh, okay. mentions, but it's so go on the concept. The concept of the first Scooby-Doo movie because ah, yes. the whole idea of that Scooby-Doo movie was Scooby-Doo is kind of silly. And so there are so many jokes throughout the movie where they're making fun of how Scooby-Doo plays out, but then the studio kind of took James Gunn's script and kind of made it more Scooby-Doo. Yeah. So there's the uh, the Carmen Electra, I think, cameo at the very start, which is just classic Scooby-Doo having like random character cameos. Um, I really loved that idea, even if it didn't uh, pay off fully in the end. My next one is two films. It is both the final girls and isn't it romantic because they're the same thing. One's romantic comedy, the other's horror. But I, I, I love both. Is numbers. Final Girls better? Yes, yeah, definitely. Okay. I, I, I really did like Isn't It Romantic, but Final Girls I think is better. Mm. Um, my number, uh, what am I up to? Two probably. Yeah, my number two pick is also two movies. It is both Spaceballs and Gremlins Two. This is, I haven't seen Gremlins Two. I was hoping you would include Spaceballs okay, specifically good. for for. What's happening now? now? We're at now, now. now. What happened to then? It's gone. When? Just now. <laughs> and then they're like looking at themselves in the mirror. Yeah. That to me was my favorite moment of that. Uh, also, it is a great scene. And I included Gremlins 2 in that because uh, you haven't seen Gremlins 2. No, Josh, it's on my Gremlins pile. 2. Yeah, I've only seen there the first one. There is about halfway through uh, the film burns out in the projection booth. It's like the ride the at Movie World. Oh, okay, cool. Gre- Glems- Gremlins have taken over the movie booth and uh, uh, Hulk Hogan is in the audience and he's pissed off. So he gets up and tells the audi- uh, tells the Gremlins to put the movie back on because people are here to watch the movie and have popcorn and sweet drinking. He's like grabbing them and they're exploding. He's like, now put the damn movie on. And he looks at the camera and goes, Sorry, guys, it'll be back on shortly. And then the movie plays again. That would have been it really is... great to watch in a cinema when oh, they were projecting on film. <laughs> I mean, I'm really disappointed that I saw it on DVD, you know, 10 years later. And my number one moment, I don't know if either of you have seen it, but it is Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes. No. Oh, I know about that movie. You, know, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, where, the one with George Clooney. Yes, George Clooney's first feature film. Everything in that movie. So the way the movie... So the way the movie starts is it's one of those like uh, late night B-movie TV shows where they play B-movies and he goes, hey, uh, we're going to be calling out to one of our viewers tonight and giving them a a, a surprise um, vacation to Hawaii. But that's during the movie. So uh, listen out, guys, and watch the movie. The movie happens halfway through the movie. George Clooney, uh, sorry, no, at the very start, there's a, just a really quick gag where George Clooney's making a pizza and someone comes up and talks to me, throws the pizza up in the air and then walks away and the pizza doesn't come back. <laughs> then halfway through the movie, they run out of money to make the movie. So uh, the whole they start pulling down the set and everything and George Clooney's like, wait, no, what if we get in, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, advertisements. What if we get in 
uh, advertisement. Uh, what's it called? Product placement. Product placement. What if we get in product placement? Because look at all this stuff here. We got a beer and it's just a white can that says beer. We can get like a brand onto this and then they'll want to be in our movie. And the, and the director's like, no, this is disgusting. It's going. And then it just cuts to George Clooney in a uh, store and this guy comes up to him and he's like, hey there, I'm feeling rather hungry. Well, if you're feeling hungry, what always satisfies me is a Oh, Henry bar. And then it's just a short sketch where this guy is asking for food and he's like pulling out all of this stuff and then he leaves. And then for the rest of the movie, product placement is key. They like bring up a, a Kellogg's uh cornflakes box to hide for a conversation and then they move it more into shot there's a great scene where george clooney's <laughs> looking at the camera he's like watching tv i didn't like, know that i thought it was just a bad movie about killer tomatoes no that's the first one the second one is pure meta so there's a bit where george clooney's eating a o henry bar with a pepsi can and both of the labels are facing directly towards the camera the other character spins him around and as soon as he spins him he spins <laughs> both of them so it's always <laughs> facing towards camera then the climax of the movie they're chasing after the bad guy the bad guy's running 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 and then a phone rings and the bad guy just stops and kind of looks around and he grabs up the phone and it's the guy from the start who was saying they're going to call one of the viewers. And he's like, congratulations, you've won a trip to Hawaii. And the guy's like, oh, my God, this is great. And then they're able to catch him. And then George Clooney's like, wow, amazing that something so insignificant at the start of the movie would pay off at the end. And then the pizza dough falls on his head. <laughs> that, I'm telling you, Revenge. I need to watch this. But you just spoiled the best I, I did, but that's because I didn't think you'd watch it. Otherwise, you thought it was just a bad movie. Revenge of the Killer Tomatoes. Uh, don't get it confused with Attack of the Killer Tomatoes or Killer Tomatoes Attack France. Revenge is the good one. <laughs> okay. Josh, yeah, absolutely. top five. Sorry, I just went at a hole. Yeah, you went on the wall. Um, I was also going to mention that specific Space Force scene, okay, but right. I might also, because you've already mentioned it, mention the end scene with John Hurt again. Yeah. And when the alien comes out of his chest and he's like, I don't know, why is this happening again? Played <laughs> by John Hurt for real. Yeah, he, he committed <laughs> to that again. Hello, my baby. Hello, Hello my honey. honey. Hello, Hello, my ragdoll gal. <laughs> yeah. Um, the big short, speaking of dramatics, yeah. like sort of acknowledging what they played up for sensationalism or like for fiction. I'm and literally like, drawing on it quite heavily for a spec script that I'm writing based yeah. on true events, but I'm fabricating stuff. So mm. I'm acknowledging the fabricated elements within yeah. the text. Yeah. Like, really acknow interesting. Acknowledging those fabricated elements, but also playing with that and like making a very interesting sidebar out of those elements there yeah. as well. I really love that. Uh, again, the final girls, I think the idea of like resetting the time, learning from <laughs> your mistakes and keep going again, but also playing into those tropes. I just love that entire segment, but also how the, the killer literally stops and he's like, no, it's fine. We'll just go to him. <laughs> it's fine. And it ends up killing him. I just love that. I reckon just Tropic Thunder, how setting up the conceit of like, oh no, we need to make it gritty and real now. We're just going to set him in the jungle. It's all going to be fake. But then they're actually literally in a war zone. And he's like, <laughs> no, I've got to follow the script. And he gets lost. He needs to get a TiVo for some reason. He kills a panda. He kills a panda, He yeah. kills a panda. Gets lost in the jungle. I love all that, that entire- I, I, I love the product placement in that for the Buster Nut and Booty Sweat. Bo booty all Sweat. All throughout the movie, Al Pacino keeps on going- Oh yeah, I think I'm gonna get out of Buster Nut right now. <laughs> <laughs> and also, just Tom Cruise's Les Grossman. Yeah, just dancing on that. Uh, and then finally, mentioned Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I reckon the entire like playing up with like the musical elements as part of like her psychosis as well, as you mentioned yeah. before, is just brilliant. And I 
I haven't seen season two or three or the final season, but I've seen heavy season boobs, one. Heavy boobs. Heavy boobs. <laughs> yeah, and she and she does it a lot with some of her other work, like her YouTube stuff yeah. as well. So, um, yeah. A factually accurate Disney princess, whatever it is. Like historically accurate yeah. Disney princess. Yeah. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. She like, goes, I really like it's, it's a Disney princess, but in like, because Disney princesses are in like plague times. And so it's yeah. like, it's it's a funny little musical number. It's just a princess walking around and <laughs> like, hand uh, Jesus. Sorry, did you just say that she's from YouTube? Like she- Yeah, that's where she got to start. Oh, I'm yeah. so not surprised. Because I saw the heavy boobs and I was like, this feels like a YouTube sketch. And then at the end it said crazy ex-girlfriend. I was like, oh. It, it it's from a show. So yeah, yeah no, that yeah, makes yeah. a lot of She's, sense. Yeah. yeah, it's really great. Awesome. Well, that's a really good, interesting topic. I was kind of, I'm like, is there a witty joke I can do to make it meta and end meta? But no, but then acknowledging what we, that. What do we usually do at the end? We end, I don't know. Fuck it. You can find us. Mention Becca. Yeah. Well, thank <laughs> you guys Becca, for listening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Picture Rangers. Email us, motionpicturerangers at gmail.com. Uh, me on Twitter, me on Twitter, me on Twitter at Shane M underscore Anderson and on Letterboxd at 24 frames. Me on Twitter at Sundance KD or Caps on Letterboxd and TV Time at Joshua Grigg. Uh, Instagram at The Chanster and, you know, find my Letterboxd at Chanster apparently. See when we. Are you using it again? He has. Uh, he yeah, started putting his one since Yeah, I just oh, copied them all from Facebook and put them all on there. <laughs> it's good, though. It's good. I reckon good. you should do that because you can get some likes and get some traction. Anyway, do thank I you guys for likes. listening. Tune in next week for another exciting episode. Bye. <laughs>